Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. Hey, it's Anna David with After Party Pod, and hey, this is the first podcast in a while where I'm having that beginning intro that was really annoying taken off. I don't know. It just seemed like I, I listened to every episode to tr- to make sure that the sort of the sound and everything works, and um, it started to really annoy me. And I just think people stop listening to those things. And I put it out last episode, two episodes ago. I said is this annoying? And somebody wrote me and said, yeah, it's annoying. By the way, if you want to write me, you can uh, email me at Anna at AnnaDavid.com. And and some of you take it upon yourselves to figure that out and email me. I've gotten two incredibly nice emails in the last week. And and it means a lot. A a girl, a fan from Philadelphia, no, sorry, I'm reading. She's been listening to the podcast for two years. Um, yeah, sorry, zoning out. A little tired, post-holidays tired. Wow, how was it for you? It's rough. It's a little rough. Um, I think if you go home, you know, as they say, the people who created your buttons are the best at uh, pushing them. So, you know, that there was a little of that. I'm, I'm really happy to be back here and... Yeah, what do you think? Not, you know, whatever. That intro, you don't need a double intro is really the thing. Uh, what I really want you to know, because a lot of people who listen do not seem to know, is that After Party Pod is a part of a website called After Party Magazine, which p- posts stories every day about addiction and recovery. I'm the editor of that site. And if you like this podcast and you like to read, you don't even have to like to read. It's, they're, they're really funny, entertaining, informative stories. I'm biased, but I, I have, again, I'm biased, uh, the best writers out there to write about addiction and recovery, if not the best writers out there. Anyway, done with the promo. What else do I want to tell you? Well, I'll tell you that, that today started out rough. I, I got an email from my car loan company that said, auto pay has stopped on this account. And I thought, "Eh, that's got to be spam. What is that? But I'm going to call. I call and they say, oh, your lease was up two days ago. You didn't get the thing we mailed you? Um, No, I didn't. Well, you're being charged $30 a day. If you work for Ally Auto or know someone who does, what the F? Anyway, spent the morning on the phone with them. I can maybe get an extended lease, but they can't tell me how much it's going to cost. But like, they can fax it to me. Do you, who, sorry, I had a fax machine in the, in the nineties, I think. Anyway, uh, so I was, it was really kind of melting down when this guest came in and just talking to him for an hour, I feel completely fine. 
So it's a good thing he does what he does. His name is Robert Marier. Now, he came into the news because he was Rob Fort's sober companion, sober coach. Remember when that mayor was, uh, this is all in Canada, but you know, the news was big here. Oh, and I'm sure there are Canadians that listen. Hey, Canadians. Anyway, Rob Ford had some trouble with addiction and, and alcoholism and, and he hired Robert. He goes by Bob or Bobby hired him and it kind of got all over the news because there was an incident, which I say in quotes where Bobby allegedly, uh, Hurts hit kicked somebody in the crowd who was heckling Rob Ford. He didn't, and everyone said he didn't, but a cop said he did, and it's on video and news stories like crazy. Anyway, I met him. We get into all of this in the episode, but I met him at the Unite to Face Addiction rally in DC, and he's in LA a lot. And I was lucky enough to get him, not only get him on this podcast, but get him a week after Vice ran a whole episode on him. It hasn't aired on TV yet, but it's online. So it's fantastic. And he is fantastic. This is, let's just say this is not a man who, uh, has, has a filter. So, you know, I, I, I knew that I knew that from meeting him and from watching the vice episode, but, but it's really, really true. And and we didn't just talk. I, I thought, Oh, we'll just talk about what it's like to be a sober companion, what it's like to be Rob Ford's sober companion and, and all of that. And yeah, we got into that, but, but his own story is fascinating. We're talking, this man destroyed three noses, if you know what I'm saying. And it's a crazy story. Sober over 10 years now. And I'm going to stop rambling and give you Bob slash Bobby Marier. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God. I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Hardy animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? Um, why do you need your glasses? Uh, to better see anything up close. Um, we're start, we've started, so it's too late for you to get your glasses is basically. Mm. So, okay. I, I gave you absolutely no explanation of what you're doing, why you're here, what we're going to talk about, but you came on total faith. A pretty face. Okay. Okay. I, I was crediting you with faith. Now, just to backtrack a minute, we met in DC at the Unite to Face Addiction rally. Um, and I remember I was talking to Chris... Kennedy Lawford because he and I had like had this issue years ago and we had just like made amends and it was all so wonderful. And then, and then we started talking to you and I was, I was terribly excited because I had remembered we wrote about all the stuff. So, so this podcast is part of a site called After Party Magazine, which is your favorite site. Which I joined after meeting you. Okay. At the hotel in DC. Okay. Okay. Good that, you know, it was worth the trip to DC. Because part of me wonders if it was worth the trip to DC. I thought it was a great event. You did? Yeah. It's a weird thing, but we do these events and I'm like, there's a disjoint or disconnect because we were in the back of the, you know, yeah, so awful. a fancy we're in a VIP tent, tent yeah. uh, eating cracked crab. And, um, and well, I was eating battering. candy, but yeah. Yeah. And we were just looking at it as being the, the amount of good people that I met that day. Yeah. Some of them for inspiration because the anonymous people meant that much to me when I saw it. I was like, I want to do exactly what that is. But when I go to recovery events, I'm always like, 
it's more about the party and yeah. meeting people than it is, I really don't care about your story at this time. I'm right. able to digest your story when I have attention to it. And I don't right, and you have ADD, self-diagnosed? Self no, I've been, of course, I've been, the doctors did it, but, you know. Okay, but I have a question, because I, I have ADD too, um, self-diagnosed. I took a test, and the test, I took a written test. It's the most obvious thing in the world. It's like, do you get distracted while watching television, yes or no? It's better than that. My favorite color is shiny. Game, set, match. That's all you have to answer. Is your favorite color shiny? Yeah, but that's true for every alcoholic no. in the world. Oof. No. Really? Can you read a book? Well, yes, I've written six books. So I can't even read your Okay, books. so fine. You you win. You win. Yeah. Um, but, okay, can you watch a movie? Yes. I can't. You cannot. I do. Do you ask questions? During the movie? Yeah. Like to whoever, like, like my poor boyfriend. Time bandit during it. You're going, I, what about, what, what, wait a minute, can we go back? I recently saw The Big Short and, yes. I, and I fell asleep and my poor boyfriend had to answer like every, it's a very confusing movie anyway. And that, see my ADD, it's confusing. The plot line, I've lost it. It was too confusing. So you saw it though? Yes. The, this, probably, my, my whole, when I go watch a movie, I have to be completely in the zone. Yeah. And I'm with someone else. It's like, okay, that could distract me. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, we're not going to turn on a movie right now is no. the good news. And this isn't a podcast about, about whether or not you can watch a movie. No. But so, okay, so that event was amazing. Um, yeah, and I, too, I would say the benefit for me was meeting a lot of people. Mm. But, and just, yeah, and just seeing it. Yeah. You know, sort of the... And through, and, terrible weather am i can I swear on this it was Please a swear. shitty day it was terrible it was weather day yeah and it didn't look like it would go off at all and i was like oh god they've set this whole thing off and my biggest fear is it would go off like a fart in a thunderstorm right which it didn't no because it was really warm it was a lot of love i left there thinking it was the best recovery event i've ever been to for the magnitude of what it was people from all over the place you know i'm canadian so Truly. i'm over there and there were other people there but the, it was it was so um it was inspired. There's no other word for it. Um, yeah, I, this is the first recovery event I'd ever been to. Okay. Oh, it was they a good don't one to go to. invite people like me. I don't know. I don't know why. I never now know you're about one of the them. cool kids. Just hang out with me now. Yeah, now I'll get the invites. Yeah, but I, I, I want to go to the U.S. ones. No offense, but the Canadian events. <sighs> um, now, okay. So, sorry. I haven't talked about. So, so basically, you are a sober coach. Mm. And interventionist. And an interventionist. We could probably say, uh, though it would be obnoxious if you did, the leading Canadian one, certainly. I think that Andrew Galloway, who's done intervention in the past, the TV show, who is my brother, who is one of the best guys I know, um, one of the only people I trust doing this business, I, I consider him right up there, but I don't want him to hear this. We call each other Batman and Robin, and we argue who's Robin. <laughs> well, that's very generous. I don't know who he is. Was there a Vice episode about him? No, no. Fortunately, I'm the pretty face. So, so, so yes. Yeah, so, so we, I just started this website when all of the Rob Ford news came out. And I, I, we may have even written about your incident. Mm -hmm. um, but, but that's how sort of the public found out about you. Yeah. You were completely on the DL before then? Yeah, yeah, very much so. And then when I went, went worked for him, I remember leaving going to say to myself, well, I know the media is going to eat me alive, but I wonder how long I can hide under the radar for. It was like a day. It took five days. Nobody knew who I was. I had erased myself from the internet. And nobody in Toronto knew who I was. And I went into a radio station. My brother's been in broadcaster in Canada for 30 years. He's very well known. 
And one of the guys there said, now I've connected the dots. So when I saw him and I said, you know, I'm working a case, it's complete. And he went on Twitter and it blew up from there. My poor, you know, 79 year old mother at the time was taking a hundred phone calls because he was big news in Canada. So she was very sweet in that episode. Oh, mama. Yes. It, but it was funny because, and it, and I guess this is what happens. It was like the, the interview with your sister and your mom was like, they were bemused because they could afford to be bemused by your former antics because you are yeah. doing well now. I think, but even that my sister talks about, I think my 10 year chip, I'll be 12 years on Sunday. Uh, oh, great. You know, one day at a time. Um, so Jan, Jan, that, that New Year's 2nd, was brutal. 2004 was the day, and it happened here on Beechwood Canyon Road. It did. Yeah. What I, happened? I had an overdose. Um, on? On a mixture of, I'd been on four days without sleep, and um, I caught a dose. There's no, <laughs> there's no other way of saying it. I don't even know how. What is caught dose? No, no, caught a dose. Oh, caught oh, dose, oh, I caught uh, I just, what happened was I was up. To, I was not. I wasn't mixing properly, mm-hmm. and uh, clearly, I made a fatal error that mm-hmm. should have killed me. Um, and I was in a coma for nine days. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. And I fell through a glass table, and I didn't have one cut on me. Figure that out. When so you mean so you passed out and yeah. fell on a glass table? I don't remember and anything into- until the twenty third of January. Oh my god! I don't remember a single thing. I had many conversations with many people denying, deflecting, doing exactly what people in my state do. And like, I think of, they put a V, remember there were VHSs back then in 2004, they come back yeah. and I, they put a VHS in of my mother's there. And uh, I'm going to cry even thinking of this moment. And I get to see my mom, look at my reaction. And it was the first time it was like, holy shit, that just shocked me. Because I was always able to say, it's not so bad. You, so and it was a video her upset, of her. Oh saying, man. Probably, We've had enough. You've got to go. And I was like thinking, you know, it's not so bad. You guys, it could happen to anybody. <laughs> you know, absolutely fully in denial. Right. And I went into treatment. Like you could have been taking me to the gas chamber easier than you were treatment. I went in hard. I was not happy. Right. And uh, it happened when I was in there. You hear me talk about that in the short doc. You're getting the short version. The Vice, Vice released a 23-minute version. Okay. HBO and Vice are involved in opening a new TV channel in in uh, Canada and US any more content that will be a bigger documentary I don't know how long 60 minutes I guess So has it aired on TV It hasn't the, aired on TV okay. but it's a lot of views <laughs> Yeah no it's fascinating you know? it really is so, And like I said I got I came through I came to recovery kicking and screaming Yeah which yeah. makes you ideal for this job Yeah and I sort of look at things and then they had another intervention after after I did detox then they did an intervention. They fly me back to Canada saying, we have to do like medical tests on you. You fractured your skull when you had this happen to you. We have to do more tests. And when I got there, uh, the next morning I arrived and my mom again met me at the door. The things you remember. Yeah. So anyone out there, like I tell some people, I was like, you're doing this to your mother. You're doing this to your family. Right. And because I never saw it before. And now I see it as clear as day. Right. When I saw my mom that upset and I was like, shit, like this is what I've done. I was 38 years old. My 39th birthday was in rehab. And I'm like, this is what I've achieved. Right. Congratulations. Right. right on. You're 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 really inspired here. What were you doing? Like work? Drugs? Oh, no. Oh, I was working here in Hollywood. You I were? For a big producer named okay. Joel Wyman, J.H. Wyman, uh-huh. um, who's a friend, grew uh-huh. up with him in Montreal. Um, he had a deal at Paramount, and I was working with him. Mm-hmm. Doing whatever type of production he had for me, I was doing. I was able to survive and live. I wasn't living properly, but 
it didn't really matter. It clearly, I state that in this, the more money I made, the more it went. Right. Until I was ready to sort of take a look at my life. And I would regularly look at people going to work in the morning, looking like, you fucking schnucks, look at them. Right. And I thought it was okay. That right. entitlement, which I deal with today, with young people I go do interventions with, and they're super entitled. And then I have to sort of pinch myself and say, I spoke the same way as that. Yeah. I don't know if it was the same girl or boy and under 25 you do an intervention on, or this is your loved one. This is how they talk. They go, oh my God, what are you doing to me? Girl or boy, that's how they talk. Right, right. Until they sort of, and when you're dealing with someone whose brains are, lack of a better term, medical mashed potatoes. Yeah. 30 days, you can get the brain starting to work again. But when you're dealing with someone like that, that's in that state of mind, and then my intervention skills are, let's do what it takes at the bottom end of it. People think you just show up and you do an intervention, like here, give me $500 at the door and I'm gonna do this, but there's right. a lot more to this. Right. And hopefully, depending on who's in that room, after we've done some impact letters and stuff like that, getting the family to understand at the very least, right. today, I'm not doing business that way anymore. I'm going to take care of my side of the street. But when we're speaking language of recovery to people that have no idea, it's the same. I, I only drink wine. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. Because somehow that's not as bad. Uh, would you say that the families are harder to treat? The families are. Than the I have people? to tell families regularly, you're going to love them to death. I have to tell wealthy families that, like, the way you're treating your kid and the way you try and exonerate him with any chink in the treatment plan. Well, they kind of fucked up here. I can totally understand. I said, your son's, or your daughter is a mess. Yeah. The treatment centers aren't infallible, but they're doing the work that needs to be done here. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a tough job. And, and then I have a relationship with these people. They all know me. Right. I'm friends. I think 99% of the people I've done interventions with are friends of mine now. Right, but not they before. You didn't know any of them before. No, God, right, no. Right, I don't right. do anyone I'm friends with. Right. Like my brother needed to have one, and it wasn't me doing it, for sure. Right, but, right. Know, it's not going to happen. You know. So, okay, so this this trajectory of yours, you're clearly born in Canada. Yes. Found your way to Hollywood. Yes. Um, I'm sure some things happened in between that. Yeah. And... DNA to present day. Um, I had a lot of things happen to me, but, you know, the behavior for me... Like I talk about it. Like I, I don't didn't know. I think that education is the key to anyone having any type of proper recovery. Is if you can start to take a look at some hard truths about you and actually be able to connect the dots yourself. Right. I tell people that all the time. When you can start making those decisions your own, that are completely un, not intuitive to you. Right. Because the only thing you know is you want that instant gratification. Right. So for me, how did I get here from Canada to the United States? I went in and out of university at a young age. Um, a lot of good schools. I got thrown out of a pretty well everywhere I went. Uh-huh. And I was, you know, the type, let's see if this sounds familiar. You're burning bridges, but you're already setting up the new place. Mm-hmm. That you're going to set up shop somewhere else before mm-hmm. you do it. Mm-hmm. And then this giant planet we call Earth gets really small. And mm-hmm. I'm literally, I've worked, worked myself into my whole planet's the size of a dime. Right, right. And that's what I've done. Yeah. And it's, that's a 23-year career of drinking yeah and, and doing i would smoke anything that burned it was crazy um it was crazy in the end what was your drug of choice okay but you were this is like three nose jobs in I, you teeth. said that you in that what oh, what does cocaine do to your teeth um i grinded the hell out of my teeth yeah yeah so yeah I'm like look how good i teeth are yeah do you have to wear a mouth guard at night no i went to india and had all my teeth done 
Wow, they look in good Mumbai. in yes. India. Yes, they're way ahead of us in dentistry. People are like, oh, I can't. Beverly Hills dentist would cringe to hell. Yeah, and I go see dentists in North America, and they go, that's great work. So you ground them down? Yeah, ground them down. Pull some of them out myself, depending on how banged up I was. And here on here on on at the corner of Franklin and Beechwood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pull some of my own teeth out there. What do you mean? Because you were they were ground After down and you were just three days high, your face starts to hurt you and you're But your you weren't doing meth. This no, was no. just coke. Coke. Enough of it. Um These are these ones here I pulled out myself. They're all implanted. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Um but you never smoked or snorted. I mean I or I a shot. Yeah, I smoked crack twice in my life. Mm-hmm. I felt somehow I thought it was beneath me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again Two noses in, in my mind. Yeah. I was somehow morally, I was, you know, I was taking the high ground. Yeah. Oh, I understand that justification. Yeah. I don't crack is dirty. Not go down with it. And so you certainly weren't shooting it. I was in the end. Absolutely. In the Mm -hmm. end, when I couldn't use my nose anymore, that's Mm -hmm. what happened. I I learned that skill here in Hollywood. The shooting. Yes. Yeah. It was a great thing to learn. And I was like shakes the clown at the end. I was just constantly shaking. Yeah. So that day that I had my overdose, I could, couldn't couldn't find a vein it was terrible Mm. and i remember those parts and i remember nothing else i remember a deep breath (gasps) that's what i remember isn't it um i'm no doctor clearly but isn't it um almost quote-unquote difficult to overdose on cocaine as opposed to say opiates uh, it is for sure alcohol i mean any of them can be done depending on how much you want to ingest but now the danger is like the opiates Opiates, and the fentanyl that's uh, in it's it it's an epidemic in the United States and Canada. It's I didn't know fentanyl specifically. Fentanyl is being bought by these gangs, and they take the fentanyl pass, patches and they cook them down. Cook, they boil them, and then they sell eighty milligram oxy's on the street. So wow. when you break that up, which if you buy oxycodone brand name, you can't actually break them up because they stop people from injecting it. There's other ways to skin a cat. They'll use vinegar or whatever else to break up the pill again. Not down because I don't know how this one's done, but I can tell by the people I've worked with how it went down and what was going on. What happens is none of this is made in the bathtub. So the potency is always a little different depending on what they cook it up with or whatever. And people are taking it and dying. Yeah. One dose. Wow. One wrong dose. One wrong measure. It's too powerful. Opiates and especially fentanyl is extremely power, more powerful than anything out there. Yeah. So the street drugs. I mean, six people an hour die in North America from addiction, wow, yeah. depending on where you get your sources from. Yeah. 70% of those are from legal drugs. What came out yesterday, two days ago, that alcohol killed more people. Yeah, than we just wrote about it. Yes. But that's, that's true. This is true. According to what you just said, isn't that just 30% though? That's only 30%. But what's happening is the epidemic of addiction is terrible. Yeah. And we're still, I'm, you know, not anonymous. Right. The stigma is, drives me crazy. Yeah. Drives me crazy when I meet someone that's been sober for 25 years and they're speaking speaking their speak in the rooms and with a lot of platitudes at the end of the day, it is what it is. Nobody's got an original fucking thought jiggling around in their heads. Some of us do. Yes. But in the, I get a little angry sometimes. Yeah. I go to the meetings and I'm like, this is not, I'd rather hear you, some guy that's brand new have the most vulnerable, raw share yeah. and feel inspired by it yeah. than someone that has broken down that big book. It's not a divine text. It's not a divine text. And I think they lose people because of that. Well, that's interesting. I was in a meeting this morning judging a woman for that exact thing. Yeah. And then I was like, sort of like, 
it works for her. She was newish, Correct. you know, and if that's what she's relating to and she doesn't have the ability as I see it to get real, then like, who am I to say? I want to hug you for that answer. Well, bless you. Cause it's, but, but it's, it's true, but, it, but, but I, exactly. I judged her first. Yeah. But my thing is not about that, but don't be telling me that I'm doing it the wrong way because I'm, I believe in a big, large, encompassing recovery. Right. I think that a lot of people I work with will not do well in those rooms. They've gone and they've tried and it hasn't worked. Um, They're not inspired. Right. And who am I to judge them? Right. To say they're doing it incorrectly. If they are trying, if there's different forms of recovery. I don't know a lot about smart recovery, but I know some people that are in long-term recovery that are on methadone. I don't agree with methadone as a right. means for an end, but Suboxone and any of these things, because they're nasty, they're made by drug companies, they're harder to get off than anything else. Yeah, yeah. So I don't necessarily agree personally, but who the hell am I? Right. He's still alive. And some people are carving out lives with that. Right. So we're going to be super self-righteous. Right. Same thing when I go to an AA meeting and it's 2015 and just about 2016 and they read the singleness of purpose and I'm like, it's that's segregation. What are you doing? So that's my moral high ground. Right. I want to believe that if you have this myopic, singular pathway to recovery, and it's working for you, great. Right. But do not spew that on people that are just coming in that really need you to, you know, you talk about having an open mind or keeping that open mind. Right. And not judging as right. major cores to good recovery. Okay, but here's here is something. Um, I hear you. I But I would also say that if somebody has this myopic point of view about they are perfectly entitled to share that it is not their responsibility to not share how they feel so that like somebody who doesn't agree feels comfortable because I think a lot of the problem is you know because we have this website we run a story that's sort of negative about AA and just we're flooded with comments from all these people who say all of these things and I sort of go I've been in meetings for 15 years and I've never met the people you're talking about who are telling you to shut up and are telling you you have to have a higher power and all this stuff. I think a lot of the issue... You're in Southern California. You're doing fine here. Okay. (laughs) But I've been to meetings all over. Right. I have. Not as... Not, you know, obviously I've been the most in LA. I do think a lot of people who say, like, I don't believe in God, they go in there and they are listening to some person sharing about how they feel and then they sort of have their alcoholic interpretation that that person is saying they're doing it wrong. And there's my other problem is when I find myself, you and I both in long-term recovery, Mm -hmm. and I have to question my motives if my ego is making that call. Right. So then I'm like, wait a second, if it's working for him, how dare I say anything different? Um, And I'm good with that. I'm good. Like, you should see the backlash. I was in a meeting last Saturday morning in Montreal, a 9 a.m. meeting I go to regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm you know, I, I'm very open and stuff. Mm-hmm. And a couple of old timers just rake me over the rake me over the coals. For because uh, you're open, you talk stuff about AA. Yeah, your AA meeting looked like a farce. I said, wait, wait a minute. I said, if I go to a meeting and there's 30 minutes of preamble, right, and then you have a 12 step rep at the end of the meeting, there's there's six minutes of recovery. I say less rules, more recovery. My prerogative and how we run our meetings are all self, you know, they're all right. they're all run in an autonomous way. We read how it works on some days. Some days we just read the steps, but we get at it. So I was so that is called SOS. Yeah. But did you? Because there's another SOS, yeah, there right? Is. Yes, there is. It just the SOS meeting. I has been called that since 1967 when that meeting was found. So, oh, so it's an AA meeting. Oh, yeah. It's called Absolutely. SOS. Yeah. That was not clear in the in the video. Yes, but I didn't. Edit yeah, it, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, it was kind of. But it's an A meeting with 
an interesting brand. Like there are people to get in there and they just get up and and we always have like a stupid, like a, you know, the rule was there birds or snakes. Do you consider them a pet? There's a rule 62 for everyone. Don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take yourself so damned seriously. Right. That was from our founder who saw things right. going to self-righteous. Right. To myopic, singular. I'm pretty sure, I don't care how much in holy roller you are in your recovery, God did not have a doorman. So to tell someone they're in the wrong place. Yeah. I know people, I deal with some women that have eating disorders. Yeah. And they'll have a fantastic share because they qualify with everything, but they'll tell them the struggle of their food and people will get their nose out of joint. Right. I go to meetings when the phone goes off when it's just a serendipitous moment to me. I mean, you'll never hear turn your phone off at my meeting. We'll get into that later. But wow. Um, when the phone goes off and you got 20 years and you're, you know, you're wound up tighter than Neil Pert's snare drum because it went off. Where the hell's your recovery? Way to show it. Way to show that patience and tolerance, which were non-existent to any newcomer. Cause I couldn't, if that patience and tolerance was a push up, I couldn't do one. I couldn't even do a girl's one, uh, right. you know, and then I'm later on, later I on. I do, I do yeah. like 30 push ups. I just want to be clear. So yeah, you're in good shape, but we have to look at recovery in 2016 now as something that remains inclusive something that's yeah and and if obviously anyone's um anonymity is sacred to me i would never say a damn word right but if you're going to get upset because i'm open with mine under the guise of it being it's bad advertising if you slip we are we have a relapsing disease we're dealing with here so if we do so be it but people would call us on our stuff quicker yeah i was lucky enough to go I went to a rehab in Montreal called Addington House. Mm-hmm. I detoxed in Palm Desert, California. Oh, okay. And I went to No Longer Open. And mm-hmm. then I went to a rehab in Montreal. It was AA dinosaur running the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy was, you know, uh, ruthless to women and men in group. It was ridiculous. Like, I think of how everything I don't want to be in treatment right. is that because um, he was recovered and he right. would look at women and say, like, you know, awful Lord, how much dick did you suck? To get your drugs. Right. The girl's been here for four fucking days. It's not a good way to talk. Yeah. Oddly, Alpha Bob here never went after me. And at seven weeks, they told me, you have to go take a humility job at, um, you know, a Tim Hortons, a donut shop, coffee shop. I don't drink coffee. I'm the only member of AA that doesn't drink yeah. coffee. Ever. My mother's coffee was so bad, it turned me off for life. If oh, only it had been that did. way for drugs. Yeah. <laughs> but... I had to take a humility job or I would not stay sober. Uh-huh. This is the treatment center that had I had. You hear me talk about it. There was a fucking piss bed on my bed. And I said, fuck this noise. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it well. Mm-hmm. And I just turned this sense of competition. And I needed to th- survive and thrive in that environment. So I did it. And I didn't. You took the donut shop. No, no, the donut shop was right. You were like, screw this. It's two months. I've done everything right. I've been a model student. And now you're telling me. Yeah. Well, this goes to treatment and treatment centers. Canada, USA have sometimes the same problem. Well, we think it'd be a lot better. So now they have your loved ones, depending on how you've signed the HIPAA papers or not. They have your 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 loved ones calm. They're sleeping well at night. And they believe you've been fixed in the time you've been in treatment. Right. Easy to get sober or to get abstinent. I never in rehab. Sober. In rehab. Yeah. It's a different thing completely to stay, keep, nurture, yeah. grow in that recovery yeah and the shit that we don't talk about 
growing in your recovery? Am I getting better than I was? Am I better than I had some like year five and six? And I was like, is this it? Yeah. That's when I decided to go into the business I'm in now. Oh, interesting. I have gone to five universities. I've graduated nothing. Right. I'm not an expert. I deal with the best doctors, the best therapists, and I say the clinician's hands. But I can tell families that we've been going to see this therapist for 15 years. Little Johnny's still fucked up. Right. Really? She's a family therapist. What does she know about addiction? Yeah. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. So next time you need to get your car fixed... Go to a Chinese restaurant and see if that's going to help the fucking car. Right. It's not going to help. And then therapists go, that's pretty rude of you to say. No, we have enough addiction specialists out there and good doctors and good people. Yeah. We live in a business where nefarious operators spend top dollar using search engine optimization. And the loved one goes on the internet who doesn't know fuck all about recovery and goes, this is the place. And they grab hold of this family and they abuse them. Yes. And they abuse the insurance. They abuse everything. Yes. And it's disgusting. And we don't talk about this near enough because I find it, anyone that's at the top of the list, I'm not going to. Yeah. And you can't, what's the worst thing you can do is sell someone hope and false hope. It's sad. This is going to be a long story, a long gig. The process starts now. At some point, okay, who you are in recovery. You have to start doing the fucking work. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I was just having a conversation with somebody yesterday about the fact that these doctors, uh, you know, that this generation of doctors have realized they can't make the money that previous generations of doctors no. have made. And nobody told them that in medical school. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them sort of will prey on, you know, wealthy families mm-hmm. who have addicts in them. Mm-hmm. And they'll take jobs at rehabs. You know, consulting and, jobs. And I get stuff now where family's like, I, there's a family I've dealt with that says, why didn't we meet you first? Right. Because they're saying, man, there's no bullshit. You're telling them straight up. I right. get paid by people. I bring people to. I'm holding both mics. I know, because I just mics. got cold and uh, yeah. needed to put on my sweater. Oh, so Anna David is a very attractive woman. Um, I'm married, but That's I must very... tell you, you're very attractive. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and I think that as an uh, egomaniac, as an egomaniac, fill my bucket. This is my bucket. Yeah, my wife built me a bucket, like a red bucket. And it says compliments for Robert. Although everyone calls me Bob or Bobby, but I it's fill my bucket time. Is it? Do things go in there? Or is it more like she a gave figurative me a whole list? And she's a creative, and she put them in like uh, craft paper and put gold. You know the gold stamps at graduation. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Them all up, gold and there's stars. hundreds of them. So whenever I'm feeling blue or whatever, I'll pick one up. Does that work? Something good. Yeah. She's good about it. She bought me a cup at Restoration Hardware, and they're in there. That's see, that's nice. That's better than like a god box. I send them back to her. Um, I'm a hopeless romantic. Yeah, I really am, and I don't, I don't even know, like how poorly I my relationships because we haven't got into that, and I'm fascinated by the work you do. But my relationships were so fucking terrible before this. Yeah, and everyone wanted to save me. I even had relationships. She'll just put up with this shit, or she'll fuck it. Yeah so self-centered and driven by what I could get and nothing else. Yeah. Like, admittedly, I'm going to tell someone that I'm doing an intervention, oh, you're going to grow. In 15 years, we'll have this conversation and we'll laugh about it. Yeah. It's impossible. I'm selling a smaller piece, a smaller bite. Just like we hold on to resentments for stupid reasons. And I have to watch myself now. Removing my ego from things Mm -hmm. came in the last two years. Yeah. You know, when... I have a situation that is like, okay, why am I getting that? Okay, wait a second. It's like, how dare him? Or how? And I'm like, wait a second. That's me. That's on me. But also removing your ego, it comes and goes. It's not like you did it two yeah. years ago and now Here's it's a gone. Great test. You live in LA. You'll appreciate this. If you're driving the car and the waves should be the first thing they teach at driver's ed, mm-hmm. sorry, the salutation, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. 
but it doesn't exonerate you. This is how fucked the alcoholic is. I waved to him. How come he didn't fucking wave back? Right, right, now, right. Now I'm angry. Right. Whatever culpability I had in this matter or not had, now I have it completely because my fucking ego wants to be stroked that he hasn't acknowledged my... That is so Al-Anon, though. That is the definition of Al-Anon is that the, you give and give and then you're resentful when they don't appreciate yes, or give exactly. back. Exactly, but I can say that as a person in long-term recovery. It was like, oh, the air is not going in that balloon. It's staying... Just like that. See, I, I can't do that. that. I just, I was just telling someone today, um, I gave one of my editors a, a gift, like an Amazon gift card mm. gift, and she didn't um, respond. No. And I was like, why did I do that? And then I have to email her and go, did you get that? And I'm like, why do I do that? If I was giving with a full heart, yeah. I'm not, I'm not all that recovered yeah. for all of my 15 years. No. Um, so, I'm still isn't quite it funny sick. that we can see this, but being able to laugh at myself didn't happen. If you were standing at the street corner, this doesn't work for people in California, but we're talking to the world here. And the bus goes by and sprays you with water. Mm -hmm. This is an analogy I use all the time. And it would spray you. You're covered from head to toe with puddle water. Mm -hmm. You're going home to change. Emotionally, I might hold on to that fucking puddle water for 10 years. Oh, yeah. Do you know that's the and, opening to Sex in the City, right? No, I mean, you're but, a straight but, man, so you may not so, know that. No, I don't know that. But that, to me, is... Again, I'm starting to see this awareness of being, wait a minute. Yeah. Why am I holding on to that? And why am I the big meaty hook? I just was in Barbados doing deep, fish, deep sea fishing every day. Mm -hmm. And I was amazed that sometimes you get nothing. And then sometimes the big fish will bite that big meaty hook mm -hmm. and bite onto it. But I'm that way sometimes with things that aren't even my business. It's mm -hmm. like the trolling piece of bait is going through my day and it's in my field and I'll catch up to it and bite it. And I'm mm -hmm. like, this is a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Mm -hmm. My nose, mm -hmm. I did this to myself. My fucking teeth, I did this to myself. It's mm -hmm. no one else's fault. Mm -hmm. You know, my only thing I have in my life today is my reaction to the world around me. And it, if I can tell you some days it's met and some days it isn't, but the capacity to correct it is far superior than it ever was. And being, it's a lot easier to do it that way. I love feeling that way. Well, so it's interesting uh, that you're saying this. I, you know how I keep saying, oh, I was just saying this this morning. Like, this is weird that everything that's coming up, like, I've talked you about. you and I were the, met to meet. We're, and like, now I'm going into like Shirley MacLaine stuff. Uh, it was <laughs> you know, meant but, to happen in the tent. Yes, in the tent, in and, the rain, in the driving rain. Yes. But it was warm and beautiful. There was a real glow in that room. I, yeah. I'll do it again. I, you know, it was, I'm, I'm topic changing bang shit yeah yeah if anyone doubts listen to anna hold the conversation where it's going i'm all i over have the add place. too so this is this not is not as severe Some no i would say others. it's not as severe you know? i yeah. can diagnose that my cat's name is mittens um <laughs> <laughs> is that actually true no that's a ralph wiggum from the simpsons uh, reference my cat's <laughs> names are black pants and gray pants they live in my house um there was 10 cats that live outside we had 20 inches of snow yesterday in Montreal. Mm -hmm. They are in a heated box that I had mm -hmm. all done and I feed them daily. Uh, they're feral cats, so they're mean and they're yeah. nasty. And I have two bad dogs. You meet my dogs in the, uh, in that, the vice documentary. Oh, yeah, Larry and dogs. Charlie. Larry's the chihuahua. He's just oh, yeah, awful. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Charlie is my very beautiful, very kind, very damaged dog that uh, is always sort of, well, I don't know what's happening. And he cries and he had to dock his tail because he ate it. Um, and he licks his paws till he uh, bleeds. That's my dog. Oh, 
Oh, that tor- tortured Larry. Um, that was an amazing, that was an amazing tangent. Wow. Yeah. You really can do it. Yes. And go full force. And it's, it's like, like there. you've forgotten where you are. You're just I talking about dogs. I'm still intoxicated by your beauty. Um, I'm French Canadian, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, I was going to tell you about the validation thing. I have, I feel like I've talked about this in the podcast before, but I have a friend who went to Burning Man who said that there was this thing he used to pass called the validation tent. And all they would do is give you compliments when you went by and they'd be like either it'd be like you're really hot or it'd be like nice bike if you're on a bike and he's like and the crazy thing is made me feel great every time <laughs> like even though it wasn't that genuine goes a long way yeah but even in a genuine like if i can go through the world and make someone feel that much better yeah with very little effort it's done like i, I can do that now and I, i'd rather go out of my way and help that and i saw yeah. this woman two crying babies one of them sick i met the checkout counter the other day and like i live in Montreal's been gentrified. I live in downtown Montreal. It's an old working class neighborhood. It's all fancy now. Yeah. And this woman's clearly struggling. And kids yelling and stuff like that. And people are uptight in the lineup. And it was that just that one moment where I was able to say, here, this is my Christmas present. And I was able to do something selfless and do that. Right. And uh, are we checking amps? What are we doing? We're checking mics because we're checking because that recorder stopped. But that's my second recorder. I, I hate technology do so you? oh you so need better much. batteries. These are bad batteries. Well, what do you mean? These Those are, are terrible batteries. What do you what, uh, These well, are like CBS. Well, where are you supposed to buy your batteries at Barney's? No, yes, Barney batteries are the best ones. <laughs> they don't have them at Barney's, but you could buy like a brand name, the Bunny ones. Wait, these are Oh, CVS. I don't know. Oh, this technology exposed, kills me. This is an expo. We've exposed. People think I'm really can. fancy. So they'll, <laughs> this is hugely embarrassing. No, you're not really fancy, but you're really, you do great things and you've already put enough skin in the game for in 15 years that it's crazy. Thank so you. Yeah. Thank you. It's, um, and inspired stuff is that you can build these things like this website and it, you know, try and change the way we look at the disease today. Yeah, it's um, it is interesting though because there is this part of me that feels embarrassed by it because of kind of what you were saying about those guys, the old timers in the meeting who were saying, you know, how dare you? There is a part of me just that says, "Just watch me" is your answer to them. Just watch me. What do you mean? Just watch me. Watch what I do because I'm going to continue to raise the bar yeah. and raise public awareness and be an advocate and speak out that this is enough. Because when I have to go to a woman and tell her that after I've tried multiple times and we've I had this a few weeks ago and he's dead kid killed himself and you know part of it was the good waspy the kid will get it figured out no he won't he needed more help and we didn't give it to him right part of it was because he was an agitated sick very it's hard to have empathy sometimes right um there isn't a good interventionist out there that if you don't feel the energy after you do a really serious lurid case that you come back out of there and you're like oh i feel dirty i feel right messed up i had one last year in spring um and there had been a baby that had died while the guy was off like he he was drinking and he fell asleep and the two-year-old fell in the hot tub it was a i've never come out of something like that like and i have your report he's doing fine but it was terrible. It was 13 years later from that baby dying that we were dealing with that and five other kids involved. It was nuts. It was a crazy, crazy intervention. Wow. But what I found most amazing to it is that it was the first time I came out. You know, I can handle it. And it was the first time I came out and I wailed. I cried. I couldn't get back. It took me three days to feel. I went to my therapist. I went to my sex therapist. I was like, what the hell's wrong with me? Right. And it was that you feel the energy. 
Yeah. We don't talk about that. And we work in a business that even on the, on some, you know, you go to a home group and you'll see someone struggling and you're like, and you'll, you'll offer your hand and some people, you know, we can only offer our hand, our hope and our help. Right. And you can only go so far. I laugh because my phone rings 24 hours a day. Right. And I pick up the phone. If it's one of my sponsees, you better be in the emergency room is my go-to answer. You, you know, you better be in the emergency room. No, but you know, and then and that's it. Yeah, and I get to you meet one of my guys. It was no client. You meet in that documentary, Larry. Oh, sweet guy. Oh, is he the guy, the guy in the, the meetings? The guy with the birds. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, I brought him to DC. Oh, you did? Yeah, he's a beautiful guy. Yeah, absolutely amazing. But to see that, this is the good things. Yeah, turn into something better. Um, I think that every single person, when given the right combination of treatment love caring empathy they get better are we looking at bank are we looking at we now have three going you if you knew my technology luck you would you would understand but don't don't ever uh when talking to an alcoholic you have to make it clear that if you look away it's not that you're not fascinated by every word that they're saying <laughs> i take it personally if anybody uh, looks away when i'm talking mean, why is please. the big tv not on there's a big um, tv here i, I uh, know thank god then, but wait oh god you, you see because you've jumped from top to and i had i've had things to say on each of them one thing i was going to say that i just remembered is that doc, you know who dr drew is you know, yes of course um he always says that um it's you know the toughest work in the world working with addicts but but it's also the most rewarding because when he was in the when he was doing his training he was like it's the one place in medicine you know all you see in medicine, you're treating people who are getting worse and you're hoping to keep them okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one field where you see people uh, not just getting better, but doing better than they've ever done. Thriving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's the most trying work in the world, it's the most rewarding work in the world. Mm-hmm. It's just nothing more satisfying than seeing. And, and, and I can talk about that in a professional level. And then just me learning to sponsor people. And well, I wanted to ask that. you. Yeah. Um, so when people are your sponsees, do you think they're trying to get free? Uh, no. Oh, I tell them sometimes, hey, the meter's running. Um, yeah. No, absolutely not. Most yeah. of the guys I work with have failed with, miserably with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I use words like, you know, be prepared to be a gentleman. Mm-hmm. The most important underused word in English vocabulary is gent. Um, you know, I don't know what happened to it. Mm-hmm. And that goes to how you go through your day, mm-hmm. you know, and doing a little bit extra. Because we can't, anyone that's loved an alcoholic or an addict knows that you've been mistreated and you've done some mistreating. And, you know, right. this is my opportunity to shine. I'll never get off the hook with what I did to my mom and dad. But uh, my dad passed and, you know, my dad used words like he was born in 1925. Mm-hmm. This is my son, Robert. He unfucked himself because <laughs> that's the way he spoke mm-hmm. with a thick French Canadian accent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mom and dad, I'm, I'm Irish and French Canadian. I, I came, this was just by birth. I'm, I'm the baby of six kids. My brother, who's six years older than me, has got two years. Mm-hmm. And it was tough for me in recovery going, oh, the fuck, there's no one pointing at him. Yeah. But it was just a bit of weed. Yeah. yeah. Until it was crippling him. Yeah. At 54 years of age. Wow. But I look at my life today and what you say about helping people, the sponsees I have are good guys. Um, and I, like I've brought this interesting dichotomy. These people would never know each other. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of forced them upon each other. They're mm-hmm. friends. I can show you texts in my phone of these, mm-hmm. the younger guys all talking to one another. And we have, we meet and we talk about stuff other than. Mm-hmm. And my whole thing is, is that when the shit hits the fan, you're in long-term recovery. I'm in. Long- There's a moment 
when that stiff breeze that's coming for every one of us, our life is just happening. Some are worse than other situations. And are you ready for it? And can you handle it with some poise and some grace, hopefully, or at least the good sense to reach out and ask someone, mm-hmm. hey, I'm having a day. I'm having mm-hmm. a moment. Because that time of, you know, it's a moment you have in your mind. Mm-hmm. And it lasts small. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we'll... And it's amazing by contact. I'm all about contact and these cell phones that we have now and people say they're a fucking nuisance. They can save lives. We need to articulate them better and use them properly. Right. And I've been meeting Sir 12 years. I've never answered a phone in a meeting. I've seen a phone ring and laugh. I've seen people trying to shut the damn thing off and can't. But I've never seen someone answer it. But Mm -hmm. to get upset... When I'm hearing someone go down the, uh, the, what I call the, you know, one platitude after another, at yeah. the end of the day, it is what it is. There's a share that has no fucking substance. Yeah. None. I hate the word awesome. Hate it. Oh, I use it. And I don't like the word basically. I have guys that, with my sponsees, basically, I hang up the phone. Or but- if you call me and tell me what the weather is, I'll fucking hang up the phone. Do you think I can't look outside? Do you think I don't have that technology to do that? Right. And they're like, what do you mean? It's just teaching guys that have never been told certain things that, hey, this is what, it's okay to be real and vulnerable here. Yeah. It's okay that we're not talking about the football game or anything. We're talking yeah. about stuff that you might not want to talk about. That's fine. You know? Um, wait, I do need to circle back to, yes. okay, so you started uh, in the, in the vice uh Doc, it said you basically were sort of doing this work and then you sort of, and your wife said, you know, this is kind of what you do for a living. Cottage industry, she called it. Uh huh. She said like, now you're going traveling places and getting guys out of treatment and bringing them home. Mm -hmm. Basically that, which is any guy that works for me, that's the first job you're going to get. How many people work for you? I have 12 full-time employees. And are they sober companions? Yeah, sober companions. I only have two therapy uh, two interventionists that i work with mm-hmm. that i trust andrew galloway and myself and mm-hmm. we have a french guy working with us because mm-hmm. you need to have that uh we don't look i don't believe in taking an intervention course and thinking well yeah i'm done now right it takes a certain somebody i don't care you can take the course all you want right when the stuff really has to do you can be and this is we're guilty of this in the profession and we're guilty about this as as patients I know people that have had too much therapy and too much rehab and yeah. not enough practical use. Yeah. I know people that are can speak more clinically than their clinicians do about their own problems, but they don't actually work anything on their problems. Yeah. What the hell are you doing about it at some point? And that's where the sober companion that we've changed in the way treatment can be shorter, mm-hmm. can be more intense. Like this place that I deal with a lot, Chatsworth Pavilion, three weeks, you show up on a start date, they take you through all 12 steps. Mm-hmm. There's five people. There's six therapists. Five people in treatment at the same time? And it's yeah. only 20,000? 20, 20,000. A Canadian, so that's like $8 US. No, it's like 21,000. What about how the general thinking now is you need 90 days in treatment? I think we're going the opposite direction. Shorter, high-impact stay, sober living, articulated sober living, meaning with a plan, with like, here, let's teach people to do it. Like, if I, I'd still be riding... I learned how to ride a bicycle in one day. Right. All right. I never had training wheels. Why are we putting training? I have these interesting analogies. For yeah, no, that works. Yeah. Why am I keeping the training wheels off? Okay. Why am I telling someone, like I tell guys, like if you're new in recovery, don't be hanging out in a bar. Don't yeah. Me. Don't be ordering virgin pina coladas. What right. What the fuck is wrong with you? First of all, you're drinking a pina colada, you idiot. Um, second of all, Many there's no recovery too. from that. There's no yeah. recovery from that. But... If you look at 
sober companions and coming back, it's not, this is not 12-step work. You know, you pick someone up and you're living in his house and you come in and you clean them. We don't talk about how many people I have that work and clean up places that are a freaking mess and disaster. So when the attic comes home, the house is painted, there's fresh sheets, maybe a fresh bed. It's cleaned up. So oh, wow. They move back into a place where you can respect this space. Mm-hmm. Not the little den of horror you had lined up here. Right. I've taken it out and cleaned it up. It's a service that's done. Mm-hmm. Um, not done enough. I didn't I know about that. I want the family to come in, and then I come in, and the family will have a guy there like, well, he went through everything. How right. does he know how to look that way? Well, he knows. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know how to look that way. And it takes a long time to do the job properly. So it's like, depending on the job, a $1,500 cleaning day, the guys come in and they clean up the house, and then you get rid of anything that was there. Yeah. I believe air is a trigger for any alcoholic or an addict. Um, looking for triggers to mm-hmm. set them off. Mm-hmm. That's just looking for an excuse to go out. Mm-hmm. I think that everything, if that's what I do, Everything I can make anything into a trigger. Yeah, on the day. justify it, rationalize it, and think it's okay. Yeah, that's clinically not strong to say that because I'm not a clinician, and I love telling a clinician, "Here's the plan," and then I can go back to the client and say, "This is what we're supposed to be doing. Why are we so far off the topic here?" Right, and that's where the sober companions like we have this and go to some meetings and find their way. Because when I first went to meetings. I got thrown out of that rehab in Montreal mm-hmm. at seven weeks because I didn't take the job working the fucking donut shop. Mm-hmm. And I went to a meeting and I shared at a lunchtime meeting at an old timer. I said, shut your fucking mouth, junkie. In a room full of people and nobody defended me. I, I, God, if that I, happened today, I would probably, I would, you know, I'd be able to handle it. And it was the only time in the whole time I was, that I said, that's it, fucking going out. I was in my mother's car crying like the mm-hmm. blum, 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 sad music. And then magically, I got on a flight and I went to sober on South Beach and I got sober in Miami, in the heart of the party, stayed Mm -hmm. at a place called Ocean Drive Recovery, it doesn't exist anymore, Mm -hmm. and met successful people, Mm -hmm. American meetings that are really well done, Mm -hmm. moving along at the pace, having fun. It's an easier job to sell recovery when you see successful people happy. Oh, yeah. When you see people enjoying themselves when you see people that should never fit together actually getting along in camaraderie mm-hmm. that is the secret sauce mm-hmm. it's a community i hate saying find your tribe it's a community mm-hmm. it's that fellowship which is a good secret i don't give a shit what's being said in the meeting the fellowship's more important than the, what's actually going on in the meeting yeah, I I agree. I think, um, and I mean, that, that, I believe that's been scientifically even proven. Yeah. And you know, there are these people. There was a guy uh, named Jonah Hari mm-hmm. who put out a book, Chasing the Scream, and then he made. You couldn't have read it because yeah. it was it was a book. But you can tell. Um, me about it. And it was he did a TED talk. I find TED talks hard to sit through. They're long. Um, it depends on the topic. But some of them. And and he doesn't. You know, he does not. Uh, you know, he's not a sober guy, but he doesn't you know, sort of subscribe to AA philosophy, but he talks about the exact same thing about how, uh, it's group. It's finding a group dynamic. How is there only three minutes on that? Oh, sorry. It's 13. Ignore me. It's 318. I know how to tell time. I do. Um, but anyway, that it's the group dynamic that yeah. is so important. Okay. But I don't want to get too excited. So, so you're doing that. Yeah. And then how do you get to be Rob Ford's, uh, okay, so do you did the intervention on him? No. Okay. No. And that was an interesting case is that I don't know how many people, I've been told different stories. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for everyone to take that job, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of guys that do my business will show up in their car and they have a dream catcher hanging from their windshield and they're um, like, okay, um, this guy wasn't going to listen to that. Yeah. He is one of the kindest people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And he, he is a capital R Republican if he was American. I am a capital L liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he would not be. And how I got that job, I, I still, I've heard so many different stories. The treatment center clearly needed someone to come in and mm-hmm. be able to take care of him. And it worked out really well because he listened. He was a absolute, and I've never seen media were horrid to him, asking him horrible questions. Mm-hmm. He missed one day of work in 14 years. Mm-hmm. He didn't take a salary while he was in treatment. He didn't take a dime from anybody. He was a self-made guy. And he was kind. What really struck me is how kind he was to everybody. Mm-hmm. So how I got that job, though, is still like I, I thought it was one way. I thought they had interviewed this long, distinguished list, which I know they did. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of got so at one point I was like these phone interviews, like, look, but they piss I get off the pot. Right, right, when right. When do you want me there? And I remember the day it was June 18th. Mm-hmm. And I'm, that's my wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I drove all the way up there and I drove up there and there were other people there. Um, how many phone interviews were there? four or five mm-hmm. and they were long and mm-hmm. questions from doctors like people i didn't know mm-hmm. and i was like okay listen this is yeah. what i can do and this is what we do and you want to move in the house and then they they'd sort of mumble between them and i can't get into the to the mechanics of how we were going and where we were going is that that they have paid for to not and i, I don't necessarily think that it would have been for everyone to do that job but it went into a situation that was tough mm-hmm. and then I have one job to do, which is to keep him on track. And then people are taking pot shots and we'd walk in public and it was disgusting. Right. What would people say to him? You fat piece of shit. Fuck you. Resign. Crackhead. You name it. With Mm -hmm. his kids. You fucking disgraced. He's with his kids. Right. Right. Like this guy struck me. I was at a baseball game, Blue Jays game, and he's the mayor of the city and he is polarizing, but a man that would have been my brother's age with two like 15, 13 year old girl, uh, boy and girl. And he's frothing at the mouth and inch from his face. You fucking disgrace your car. And I'm thinking, that's their parents. Right. I'm thinking to myself, I should give these kids my card because they're going to be calling me. Yeah. Because that shrapnel. Yeah. You know, we, anyway, it was an amazing job because I got to get in there and do it. And he listened. You and know, how long were you on that job? Pretty well, like on intensely for 17 days of the day off, which is crazy. And then... I would be in and out all the time. They kind of kept me under the radar, but I worked about four months. So what day was it that you're walking through a crowd and... Day six. Day yeah. six. So nobody knows who you are up until that point, right? Yeah. And he's at an event and they have these shirtless protesters that are they call the shirtless horde. Because the first day we got out, this guy who was another plant from another political party was yelling at him. It was almost rehearsed. It was, you know, when you're mad at someone and you're letting it flow like a perfect rhyme, like a rap, like it was crazy. So then we go to other events in these shirtless horde. And this guy, his name is John Furr. He's a professional agitator. F-U-R-R. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's screaming at him while the guy's doing his speech. And I'm concerned. He's done these bad interviews. Like, these interviews have been hard on him. I'm just like, mm-hmm. buddy. And I'm just kidding. I'm definitely in his face. And I'm just like, yeah, you need to go. But I never touched him. Mm-hmm. And then the police says, that you kicked you him. him. And I'm like, saw me kick him. I guess just like, there's no video of it. I never touched him. Yeah. You know? And I saw But they myself, have a video of the police saying, saying I that. saw you kick him. And you hear me. I repeat, you saw me kick him. And I just go, okay. And just, I walk away. That's yeah. really well I did. Because I just, uh, you hear me talking. And I figured I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. That's the end of me. And he was absolutely generous. I was like, 
pissed off that it even come close to this. Yeah. And I was hurt. And the next day I woke up and I was on the cover of a newspaper in Canada. Yeah. The Toronto's biggest city in Canada, fourth biggest in North America. Right. I was on the cover of every newspaper. I was like, oh God, it's five o'clock in the morning. I'm leaving his house and he's like laughing at me. <laughs> there. He goes, they'll forget about you in 24 hours. And they did? They did. And then I had media outlets offer me money to tell them like it was like yeah I'm yeah gonna do that and yeah. they, they really wanted anything they could do to discredit him yeah and there was no way there no one will hear me say a bad word about this guy because i think the world of him yeah and he's fighting for his life with terrible cancer right now oh i didn't terrible know that cancer. stage four second time of chemo they removed a giant tumor on may 29th 12 pounds he lost 100 pounds working out with me mm-hmm he worked out. He was. He's, he you was take him guy. to the gym. Is that part of being well, yeah. a cyber companion? Yeah, yeah. You do that. I mean, he had trainers, but I would be there. You yeah, know, with him all the time. Yeah, but he re- worked really hard. Has never stopped working. Never stopped doing his job. Mm-hmm. The moment he woke up, and the moment he went to sleep, he did mm-hmm. his job. And he mm-hmm. worked out, and he got, and then he gets this cancer. That's really, really nasty cancer. And then he got it, and then he went through it, and it looked like he was okay. And then in fall, another time. So he's going through it again. And that, like, if anything came from this, like that there was any grief, like people were like, oh, do you've sold him. I haven't, I would never say a bad word about him. Mm-hmm. I really, really like him. And, and you're still in touch with him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what did that do to your business? It made my business here. It didn't really change that much, except that I got a lot more phone calls. Yeah. There's only one me. Right. And a good interventionist like uh, Andrew Galloway, for instance, there's only one him. So they can call you all you want. Um, and a lot of people call you that will never be able to really, like they're crazy. What, what do you think of this? I can't give advice over the phone. Yeah. Um, you know, so you, you're polite and you appreciate it, but it definitely put me in a different, the, the, the clientele started calling from different places that were a different clientele. They were, they were, yeah, they had heard about me mm-hmm. and they said, well, this guy's pretty tough nut. And he really, you know, I didn't, I haven't changed the way I do my job. Mm-hmm. Do it the same way. Mm-hmm. And I'm really like, we are in a result driven business. If I'm not doing my job well, I'm not taking your money. I'm like a rehab. If this guy's not ready to work or do this, I will, we will leave immediately. Right. There's no point in us trying to do anything other than if this person's willing to fight at this and to get on it, there's there. So it made my business a lot more, you know, internationally. I, I was, you know, like getting calls from everywhere now. Right. Getting calls from England, getting calls from the United States, getting calls. But so since the, they're calling for you to do the intervention, but you've got these 10 sober. Yeah. So, but to so get you as the sober companion, you got to be like, yeah, I don't mayor. really do it much. I do it for a couple of days and settle everything. And then I'll say, okay, this is the treatment plan. This is what we're going to do. We'll do this in conjunction with what's going on. I have a friend who does it here in LA. Mm-hmm. And what surprised me about it, I was like, you make so much money. Cause that's sort of like, wow, you get paid so much. She's on 24 hours. So she'll have a client who's mm-hmm. at promises mm-hmm. and she can't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Cause if that client wakes up and mm-hmm. needs something yeah. while they're in treatment, yeah. That's great. So you literally don't sleep for those Sometimes days. Sometimes it goes very long without sleep. You'll mm-hmm. go very long. But Luckily, you had a lot of experience it. with yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, but you, you still need some mental acuity if you can't yeah. do a job. Rest is uh, in recovery. Um, I could say that they could teach sleeping classes, mm-hmm. especially when you go years without sleeping properly. And I could take some sleep. of those sleeping. I don't yeah. sleep well. well yeah. I, it just depends. If I've had a full day, I just like to turn off and go, okay. Yeah. I don't sleep with the TV on anymore. Oh, God, no. I used to have the TV on and, uh, you know, my wife would say that the sports desk, no, 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 just like that fucking song. Uh, yeah. Like, it's not on anymore. I can go to that's, bed and sleep. That's good. And go, this is okay. 
but I still wake up early. I still get a lot done early in the morning. Yeah. Like getting up and at it. So, and, and, and getting back to your question. So it helped my business immensely, mm-hmm. but it also made it aware that I don't want to put 50 people online cause I can make more money. Mm-hmm. If we can't do our job properly, we don't do our job. Mm-hmm. And we help. We I, You'll never hear me slander another treatment center or another person. Hey, can you help? Because I have a situation. This mm-hmm. guy needs this. Mm-hmm. This woman needs this. Can you help? Because I don't want to leave anyone hanging dry. Mm-hmm. And I tell people that all the time. Mm-hmm. And have a plan and get ready to execute the plan properly. Mm-hmm. And this is state down to how you're going to execute your recovery because we've already spoken about. Wow, he did really great in treatment for 3 months and then he left and the shit hit the fan. Right. Okay, but we you know, I'm amazed sometimes to see some people leaving treatment and this is your treatment plan, you just paid $200,000 for treatment, this is what they give it to you? Yeah. This is it. Okay. They, it's in Crayola crayon. Right. You know, what the hell is going on? Let's have it's about having you know, the same thing, you have to be accountable for your behavior, but how about having some stuff and some systems in place that, okay, I did this, 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 this. Right. Parents come home, they're relieved because they've slept well for a few weeks, and then they get their kid home, and he goes to a couple of meetings, he's not comfortable, the cool kids don't talk to him, whatever the reason is. Right. And, or the person's like not comfortable. I have a lot of businessmen that are not going to meetings. Yeah. Big businessmen that are not going to meetings. I can bring them to one now and then, that's it. So what are we doing with them? Well, we're going to keep them busy. We're going to do healthy things and work with a therapist. Some guys use recovery as a therapist once a week. And then what did you do the rest of your time? Well, I'm journaling. I'm working on the business of staying in my zone right. in recovery. You know, I, I can't, like, it's not one size fits all in this business. You know, one thing that exists in LA, um, and it must exist there, but, you know, sort of like the fancy, the, like, like I know of a meeting that like all these really successful oh, yeah. agents yeah. and stuff go yeah. to. And like, you know, you get in that circuit and then there, you know, and then there's some like famous person, like Monday night meeting, yeah. you probably know about it. And yes. it's like, oh, yeah. let me get in on that shit. No, no. I, again, and people, the... I, the, the most famous people I've worked with, they just want to be in their recovery and have their thing. And they'll be polite. They'll be kind. I don't want them to be a distract, distraction. Mm-hmm. They go to the meeting and the distraction is all about them. And then the meeting starts and there's three times the amount of people in the meeting ends because you're with them. Right. That to me bothers them. And there's no way of saying that that's not, like, fuck, the pressure's on. And then really guarded to speak in that place. So you have to find a place where you can be speak and not feel tethered. Not feel like I'm on. Yeah, I when I first got sober, there are two incidents. There was a guy who was around who tape recorded two extremely famous people speaking and sold them, sold the stories to the tabloids. That that happened. Unacceptable, and that's the yeah. thing that like I'm your anonymity is sacred to me. I understand that. <laughs> it's 2016. Why don't we treat people the way we're supposed to be treated? With yeah, some respect and some dignity. But your guy gives out a guy. What kind of cancer do you have? You got fucking cancer. What kind of right. cancer you have? Walking down the street, hey, saw you at the cancer clinic. What's going on? Right. Even if it did happen, it's acceptable because you have cancer. This disease is just as deadly. And then people, oh, you're making it up. I'm not. I yeah. see people like you and I work at, people disappear. Yeah. This guy was a good guy. Well, uh, he's yeah. Gone. Yeah. And it's not because he's a terribly indulgent person. No. One bad day can take anybody out. Yeah. One bad moment and lapse in judgment. And some people have the disease a lot worse than others, you know, because I see I have a friend I went to rehab with and he's he's uh, I I think he's probably got like 20 days now. And it's not that he's not doing the stuff we're all doing. I have the same guy that if I hadn't met him, I don't know if I'm here today. 
and he's a fucking disaster. He's like looking at 800 years of prison. It's a, you know, and he's family. It's crazy contorted story. The amount of help this man gave me when I needed it most. Right. You mean, cause he was sober when you were, he came coming. in and both his arms were broken, <laughs> but he had been down the road before. Yeah. And he said, slow down. Just slow down. I want you to think. And he said some words to me that stuck with me to this day. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think that, and people have, oh, fuck, he's always, you make fun of someone that is struggling, but he's trying. You know, sometimes I'd be like, okay, buddy, you're not trying hard enough or you're not doing it right enough. But some people like, this guy is not, I don't think he set out to be the colossal fuck up that he is. Yeah. And yeah. It's a disease that's really got a grip of him. That's it. Yeah. And the moment I'm thinking I'm better than any of these people, the, yeah. the guy that's the best at it or the worst at it, the problem's mine. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. This is a crazy self-defeating self, self disease at times. Did you know that we have to stop talking? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to. Hold on, we have not been talking for, oh, no, good. I thought I thought it was an hour and 45 minutes, which would have been absolutely excessive. Um, but the, how great a conversation is this? Good. Oh, it's not great. It's just good. Are you kidding? I'm like, I, first of all, a happy to be here. B, I would do this anytime. I can set this up from my home and do this. You Um, were a great guest. So, yeah. I enjoyed every second that you, I, my passion's not for sale. Right. But I hope it's contagious and I hope I can give it to anyone because I love being this way and sober and coming into a situation and, you know, when they say, just go help another addict, alcohol, help anybody. Get the fuck out of your own way <laughs> by the way you know how agitated i was when you came in because of ally auto yes. and i'm just gonna say they're the worst loan company in the world and they just em- whatever i just found out today my lease is up and screw you ally i was so agitated i don't feel it at all i'm serious like talking to you for an hour no. and it wasn't even therapy no it it's was. not it's not therapy. maybe it was I though, people in a way all the time. people okay. will tell you oh probably can be annoying and stuff and then they realize mm, it's coming from the right angle I got it. I got the energy. Okay, I'm stopping. So that was Bob Marier here on After Party Pod, your favorite podcast about addiction and recovery. Yeah, go check him out. Go check out his Vice special and keep listening and downloading and subscribing. And, you know, it would be a really good way to start out the year by giving this podcast a great review. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>